and welcome to Phoenix Foundation, an episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 2, Episode 2, The Eraser. for this episode was September 29th, 1986, which I think is exactly one year from the premiere of the series. Woo! Yeah, happy birthday show. Um, this episode was directed by Paul Krasny, and it was written by Stephen Cronish, two names that I don't think we've seen right, yeah, before. Right, are new players. Um, we open, uh, well, why don't we do a brief description uh, of the episode? Okay. In this episode... Uh, MacGyver is trying to track down uh, a spy who's been selling secrets to these Germans, while simultaneously the same spy is being tracked down by a hitman hired by the mob because he's also stolen secrets from them. It's kind of a like two different people working towards the same goal situation. Right, yeah. And you had made the point that uh, some of the shots in this episode seem kind of blurry compared to the regular transfer. Yeah, it, it, there's a couple of things that are in, that are a little bit bizarre in this episode, uh, and yeah, it's like some some shots just seem like a little bit soft. Yeah. Uh, especially some of the, the the third act stuff. Yeah, and a lot of the you know because the, there's the, a lot of outdoor stuff in this episode. Yeah. So I'm wondering if that may have had something. The to stuff do with. in Griffith Park at the beginning and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does have a soft focus look to it. That mm-hmm. it it almost feels like they came back and shot that stuff later. Um. I'll, I'll probably be continuing this argument later into our review of this episode, but I feel like they could have hidden the Hitman's story from us. Yeah. But, I mean, I understand, like, it's television. You need A-lines, B-lines, C-lines. Like, you got to right, follow everybody's right. story or else it's just you're literally pointing a camera at the same guy for the whole episode. So, But, yeah, the, the episode opens. Uh, we're at the uh, skating rink in Culver City, and uh, uh, MacGyver is, is playing with the Squires. Mm. And uh, he's on the ice. Uh, one of the other hockey players in this scene, is, I don't i don't know which one, he's only credited as hockey player, but um, the actor playing him is Michael Francis Kelly. He was previously in The Heist, I think as one of the security guards. So uh, Catelyn? Yeah, his, his credit in that episode is Thomas, but I'm pretty sure he's one of Catelyn's security guards. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> God, which one of you let the bird out? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he's one of those guys that comes to the door. I think he is one of those guys. Um, and uh, he actually appears again in the next episode as uh, a cop. And then uh, he disappears for a long time and comes back in the third to last episode, which is Off the Wall, season 7, episode 12. And uh, the ref for this hockey game is also... Um, he, he's a Cheers regular. Um, oh. The actor's name is Tom Babson. And on Cheers, his character was named Tom Babson. Hmm. Um, and also sometimes Tom Sherry, Tom Ballard. And one time he's referred to as Barney. But uh, and he's possibly, uh, possibly uh, an inspiration for Barney from The Simpsons because they're both Sam Simon creations. Like the right, right. most tavern is kind of based a little bit on, on Sam Malone's bar. But the ref character, um, he plays the guy. Uh, Tom Babson is the one that's constantly talking about how he failed the bar, and they're making oh. fun of him for how he's not actually a lawyer because he hasn't passed the bar. And then he he does eventually pass it, and he represents them in a case in one of the episodes. But. Um, yeah, he, he's... Norman Clifford just constantly making fun of him for not passing the bar and still being, you know, not technically a lawyer anytime he tries to argue with them. I'm glad you're still on your cheers kick, too, by the way. I love that show. 
I mean, I, I definitely lost a lot of interest when we switched over to Kirstie Alley, just because that whole first season, they really hadn't decided what kind of a character she was, other than that she's filling this yeah. void. But, you know who um, she reminds me of on that show? This is a tangent, but she reminds me of uh, Mrs. Cunningham on Tailspin. Yeah. When Rebecca Cunningham takes over Hire for Hire. Like, she's very, like... Wow, yeah. Uh, now that you now that you say right? that it feels like it's really a direct comparison. Exactly. Like she she's very she's very proper but business oriented, wants to change everything and make it make it make it her own. And if it wasn't for her daughter, then people would have just been like, Get this character off the show. Yeah. Yeah. And we're um we're intercutting with this hockey game clips of uh Michael Simmons, uh, who is getting out of linda's car on like an overpass in downtown la Mm -hmm. and uh he climbs into a limousine with a bunch of east germans in it typical east germans it's it's the the north korean situation now is it it was the east germans then yeah but yeah so michael simmons gets into this car with these germans and he's he's selling them this navcon 24 it's like a navigation system Mm -hmm. i assume it uses satellites and things like that right and he's getting three quarters of a million dollars for it in a briefcase i always i always like am curious of the choice of saying like three quarters versus seven hundred and fifty thousand. yeah that's funny because in my note i i wrote 750k but i just said three quarters of a million dollars yeah it's it's just one of those things, like, when you say, like, three quarters of a million, it sounds like more. Yeah, it feels like you're rounding up silently. Yeah. <laughs> but you're not. Um, and he, he's basically telling them, in exchange for this briefcase, that the NAVCOM 24 system is um, at Pier 3, and that it's labeled sauerkraut. Right. And he just tells them that it's very sophisticated navigational equipment, and it's absolutely worth the money. And it feels like he's pulling uh, what some people might refer to as a Sacramento switch. <laughs> <laughs> on these people um but uh this is really the the most poorly thought out scheme i've ever heard of yeah because they, they don't even want to see any evidence yeah. that he has well yeah it's bad on both of their parts because one these east germans must be relying on their ability to find this guy later and kill him if he doesn't give them what they just paid for mm-hmm. so and but he's just assuming that sight unseen they're going to give him this money and no one's tailing linda Mm-hmm. to find out where he went for the rest of the day while they unpack boxes, which it turns out are just full of sauerkraut. They don't yeah. have any navigational yeah. equipment in them. And the Germans never come back into this story. Yeah. <laughs> so you think that That's true. They be... they don't, like, they just get there and there's sauerkraut and they're like, ah, oh, dang it. Oh, he should have got his phone number or something. <laughs> Did anybody are... get his license plate? Oh, no. Well, we are Germans and we do love sauerkraut. Yeah. But his his plan anyway, him and Linda plan to leave the country immediately as mm-hmm. soon as this, this deal goes off. I'm going to Rio. Yeah, which, you know, why not? Yeah, that sounds like a plan. I mean, three quarters of a million dollars, you could probably live comfortably for a couple months in Rio a couple on months. that. Because um, someone would ultimately kill him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The boys from Brazil might not <laughs> let him hang out for too long. Uh, yeah, so, uh, but then we go back to MacGyver playing against the Squires for a little bit. Then we go to this strange scene out in a park. Right, yeah. We have, uh, well, before that, um, we go back to, to Mac playing hockey, and Pete shows up and uh, gives him an assignment, mm-hmm. sort of. He sort promised of. him he wouldn't give him an assignment, and then he sort of explains the situation that this Michael Simmons guy is potentially trading this Navgon, NAVCOM system, and they need to get a hold of him to find out if it's actually happening and if he's committing like espionage against the United States, mm-hmm. which he's not. So he'd be safe on right, that side right. of it. But um, if, if anything, he's he's... Like, he's actually helping out. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, just odd. Yeah. And the 
and i mean he's kind of pulling like kind of a doc brown like mm-hmm. pinball machine part scam it's like yeah, oh exactly. just just pranking terrorists well he's also but he's also like defunding them he's stealing yeah that's their money. true like, that's true at less the same money time that they have to spend on on more dangerous well things. I, doc brown was defunding them of uranium which is good was it yeah. uranium or plutonium it was, it was plutonium, plutonium. needed was it weapons grade plutonium? I, it, you know, it's I, like I know. in the, the news broadcast they just talk about it being, being stolen, having been stolen. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the original script, he stole it himself from the, from the nuclear power plant. Like Doc Brown stole it, not not the Libyans. And oh, he didn't trade okay. It well, because yeah. then the people who interrupt the attempted time travel are agents from like the nuclear. Uh, regulatory com- yeah it's the nrc agents come in and and like shoot at them while they're starting up the time machine oh that's um, the... which is sadder yeah yeah, yeah that, that, that's that's it's much darker yeah i'm so glad that that script got so many rewrites yeah i would call it the twin pines twist that would be my name for this right. prank linda uh who is uh, so far we've basically seen her as michael's chauffeur is uh her the actress's name is lee lombardi and she was actually on the blue thunder tv show oh back to blue thunder again. yeah so um oh, i think we had a reference a couple episodes back from blue thunder and now she's uh she's blue thunder which uh the helicopter from the pilot is from blue thunder right and uh yeah so then we then we move to the conversation uh with jimmy basically just got out of prison he's been in prison for 10 years right. um it's kind of not well explained what he was in prison for specifically yeah i mean he is a hitman and so we're i'm assuming that he probably wasn't tried for murder right because he he was only in for 10 years right but he probably it's probably because he was either linked and then would not cooperate right and i imagine that's what they imprisoned him for yeah they knew he was guilty like they had they had some kind of evidence and he would not turn in or turn on anybody because because we see uh, he meets Papa Chuck Banning, who's, right? Who's really happy to see him, and he even says something like, "You, you never ratted on me, you never said anything." Yeah, and Papa Chuck is basically like the patriarch of this whole like crime family, mm-hmm. and uh, he's like hanging out with his granddaughter on a yeah. park swing in, somewhere in Griffith Park when yeah. Jimmy shows up, um, and Jimmy immediately takes out his bodyguards with like, yeah. you know, like. Uh, Captain Kirk style karate chopping <laughs> to the neck and just these people just collapse under under uh, very little uh, effort. The granddaughter in this scene is Lindsay Parker who was in Critters 2 um, and she was in Wes Craven's Shocker and also Ooh. Flowers in the Attic is probably one of her better oh, known gosh, performances. Oh, yeah. uh, but this is actually her first credit. Okay. So this is her first time I on screen. I wonder who she would have been in. She, she would also, also have been young in Shocker. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of when, where there's a little girl. It's been a while. It's been like a couple years since I've seen it. If you haven't seen Shocker, highly recommend it. Really? Yeah. Wes Craven is hitting this, so. Yeah, you know, no. Mitch Poligi, who you would probably know as uh, Director Skinner from The X-Files. Oh, okay. He gives like 110% for this villainous character. That He's he also plays. the vice president in Iron Man 3, right? Um, No, no, it's William Sadler. Oh. No, yes. No, he's no. The, William Sadler's he is, the president. He's the president. Uh, Miguel Ferrer. Oh right, is, I get, I used to confuse those two, Miguel Ferrer and yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Mitch Poligi is he's so villainous as is uh, Pinker. I think is his name, Horace Pinker. I want to say is the character name from uh, Shocker. Yeah, really great. Um, and uh, Jimmy here is Joe Santos, 
who was also uh, in Blue Thunder <laughs> with the helicopter from the pilot. <laughs> so that's another funny. I think he was actually in the movie, though. He wasn't on the TV show. Okay. But Jimmy's been in jail for 10 years, and uh, he's meeting with Papa Chuck, who's played by Henry Jones, who's in a bunch of stuff. He was in Vertigo, and mm-hmm. um, but we both recognized him from Arachnophobia. Yeah, um, yeah, He's yeah. like the doctor, like the hometown doctor that everyone prefers right, to right. Jeff Daniels. And he's an old, he's definitely an older actor, so you know you look up his credits. He's been in yeah, a lot it's of it's stuff. a long IMDb page, um, and uh, so I think as soon as we we get the story out that that Jimmy has just been out of prison and Papa Chuck is basically like we need to bring you back into the fold. We have someone that we need for you to kill. His name's Michael Simmons, and he's like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I'm out of it. And they're just saying, like, look, you're the best. You're the best person that we've mm-hmm. got. And kind of forcing him back into it. They keep pulling me back in. Yeah. And then uh, and then at the same time as we're being told that his target is Michael Simmons, we go back to Pete talking to Mac about uh, Simmons and how they want to catch him um, and shut down a technology pipeline to the East Germans. Like, this is not the first thing that he's right. sold them, uh, but this just happens to be, like, the culmination of a series of trades so that he's getting away with like the largest sum of money and um, these two scenes are being intercut right we're, like, we're, we're just moving back and forth yeah like we're 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 being just like they're really hammering home that both these both macgyver and jimmy are going to be looking for the same person right and they they don't know it yet but the the phoenix foundation like what they're trying to have happen is already happening because this pipeline is being shut down by Simmons himself because he doesn't plan to cooperate anymore and he's leaving the country. And that would be basically what they're, what they're hoping to achieve. Had they done nothing, everything would have worked out. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Because this hitman would have killed this guy who's been giving stuff to the East Germans. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah. uh, And so Mac basically says, all right, you know what? I'll, I'll take the job. It sounds like, you you need my help so just let me know whatever information and then pete admits oh it's all in your locker already like i knew you yeah. were going to change and, and you were going to agree to help us so it's all in your locker and you can just find it after your game and then he gets back into the game and just gets clocked immediately <laughs> <laughs> and he has this line after he gets like smashed to the ground he's just like game of finesse just cracks me up every time and then i think we move to him at the bar yeah, it this right away. Yeah, um, we get these two in a room immediately. Yeah, uh, Simmons owns uh, several other businesses, which to me, I don't. I don't know if he owns all of them or he just he has like an investment in each of them. I mean, yeah. it seems like he's at least a co-owner of the bar. Yeah, it, it's but it's like he's obviously got an unsavory reputation because even the bar owner is the, the bartender girl. Yeah. When uh, at, at, you know, getting ahead of herself, but after the scene. He's, oh, you should check the car dealership. He's got a he, he owns a piece of, of that too. Yeah, like, he he obviously seems to be having like he's funneling his assets a lot. And for someone who works for like a top secret technology company, yeah, it seems like he should be getting paid enough by that. Yeah, that he or, shouldn't need or like he shouldn't be allowed to have so many like like diversifying all of his efforts. Yeah, yeah, it's like you, you, he's obviously spreading himself thin. Yeah, like but but people obviously are thinking that he's shady. People, yeah. Just people around him know that he's shady. Yeah. So I would worry about hiring and having something like that work for me. Yeah, working for Vectricon Systems. Yeah. But but in the meantime, MacGyver's in the bar. Right. And, and he orders like a, a ginger ale or he, something. Yeah, it's just a ginger ale. And uh, she can't give it to him because the little spray nozzle's broken because the CO2 is all clogged up. <laughs> and so he asks if she has olives. 
and then she gives him a tray of olives and i was hoping he would just eat one and then fix it some other way but yeah, yeah. he uses the the little like sword toothpick guy to unplug the co2 spout on that yeah. thing he, he takes it apart it's very unclear what he's doing but he, he he tinkers with it yeah and he's able to he's able to do something um i don't know what he would have done had they not had the sword toothpicks but yeah she's just like here's an olive <laughs> With a pimento in it. He didn't, he didn't say you needed a toothpick. She just gives him a jar of olives. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Thanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just drinks the whole thing. <laughs> Passes out. <laughs> <laughs> um, while he's doing this, Jimmy also comes in to the bar and uh, takes a seat beside him. And uh, He has some trouble getting into the seat, which yeah. it, it feels weird, like they're trying to already imply, like, he's maybe too old to be doing what he's doing. Like, MacGyver's, like, trying to help him into the chair. He doesn't seem that old. No, he doesn't. He doesn't <laughs> seem like he's at a feeble age yet. Yeah, they, 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 make him, they, they, they make him out to be, like, in his, like, 70s, maybe. Yeah, but, but he's probably, like, 50. Yeah, yeah, you have to expect MacGyver to go. You doing okay, old timer? Like, yeah, it, it's it's a very un unplay. He's not playing the right age. He he really did needed to play a different age. Yeah, but uh, so MacGyver starts like kind of questioning the bartender casually, uh, looking for Michael Sims. Have you seen him? Simmons. Simmons. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think she says she hasn't been around in a while, but to check the car dealership. Right, because he says he owns a piece of that. And so uh, Jimmy f- ends up f- like following MacGyver over to the car yeah. dealership. But MacGyver notices it in like a rearview mirror on mm-hmm. one of the cars on the lot that that Jimmy's been tailing him. This is where Jimmy kind of like uh, starts playing his little game. He starts lying to MacGyver about who he is and why he's looking for Michael Simmons. He says he's his father. Yeah. And he's really thought this out. Like he's got like the wallet ready. And yeah, he's and, got, like, and a- he's he's definitely playing the part really well, which is. Impressive because he didn't know that he was going to run into MacGyver at that bar mm-hmm. and that MacGyver would also be looking for Michael Simmons. He also doesn't know that MacGyver's any better at finding Michael Simmons than he is. Yeah. He's he's kind of just assuming that, oh, maybe I can just take this job really easy and follow someone else to Michael Simmons. Yeah. Um, but but he's ready with this. So he he's clearly a professional or has done this kind of this little little con game before. And it's a very convincing like when he when he says the whole like this is a picture of me and him in Atlantic City before the casinos in '64 mm-hmm. and and like he just like he sells the backstory so yeah. well that this oh, is yeah. part of why I wish that we didn't know already know that he's a hitman who's trying to kill Michael Simmons. Mm-hmm. But then I also like the line too where um, he says, "Well, Mr. Simmons," and he says, "Please call me Jimmy." And I feel yeah. like he said that like, "Let's just be casual friends." But also, if you call me Mr. Simmons, I might not turn around. <laughs> so yeah, call yeah, me yeah, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he, he covers his bases really quickly. Yeah. Um that's the that's the that's the end of Act One. Act two, uh Oh, there was one other line there that I really liked too, where um in trying to explain to MacGyver like how desperate he is to find his son, he says, You probably know what it's like having your old man around, but my Mikey don't. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't know who MacGyver is, he doesn't know yeah, MacGyver's yeah, yeah. backstory, but we knowing his backstory see how he takes that like i don't know what having my dad around is like and so i'm gonna help this guy know what that's like yeah but he just kind of struck gold with that comment before Mm. before they left and then mac goes to vectricon yeah yeah act two starts up at vectricon uh 
he's sneaking up an elevator shaft. Right. And it, we have, like, a vague reference to his fear of heights. Yeah, he doesn't say the line. He doesn't say the line, God, I hate heights. But, uh, he... He, he says he finds himself, like, ten floors up in total violation of every instinct I mm-hmm. own, which is as close to admitting to a fear of heights. Yeah, yeah, he just... Uh, we see a security guard kind of go into an elevator, and the elevator door closes, and then just the doors just open up, and there's MacGyver just like clinging to the door. Yeah. And he steps in and lets the doors close behind him before he even makes another move. Yeah. And from here, you know, he tries to get access to uh, Simmons's office, and it's got it's a very highly secured office. It's got like a, a keypad lock on it, and so MacGyver shorts it out by uh, taking a lamp nearby and just cutting the cord on the lamp and then right. plugging it in. And... Just jamming in naked wires again. Yeah, he just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just zaps it. Um, and uh, inside uh, the office, he's able to find like uh, Rolodex, but the thing that he keys on is uh, the photograph that Michael ha- Michael Simmons has of Linda. And right. That, from, th- that gives him the name, at least to look up at the Rolodex, which gives him his lead. Yeah, that and it it just has an address for her with four hundred one West Beach, mm-hmm. which I I googled and it's not an actual address in Los Angeles. It is an address in New York, but um, it's like just a house on the corner of a street. It's not actually. Oh, there's no beach. Not B E E C H, which is the oh. way it's spelled in the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that is weird. I also wonder, did the security guard that left before him have to slide a card? to leave the building i don't recall because it seems like macgyver could have gotten out without having to climb down the elevator shaft most mm. of the time the security doesn't prevent you from leaving the building it prevents you from getting in because it's a fire hazard if it prevents you from leaving right 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 so it just seems weird because he makes the point that he took the elevator shaft down again without an elevator car because <laughs> he says like oh it turns out they're just as scary on the way down as they were on the way up right and it's like why don't you just take the elevator this time are you are you that scared <laughs> You won't even get in an elevator. Well, I guess the he, he there would be a chance of him running into somebody. Yeah. Like he, he's in the elevator, and all of a sudden it stops on another floor that the security guards. Sure. Um, but he still has to get out of the elevator doors at the bottom. <laughs> like you could yeah. very easily bump into a person. Well, no, because he comes out on the street from like a vent, though. That's and true. It, it so could be like the like a sub basement that mm-hmm. he's like from the bottom of the elevator shaft, so he's never actually in the building except yeah, exactly. when he's on that one floor. Uh. Which makes, again, the security in this building very terrible, if it's just that easy. Yeah. Uh, and as soon as he gets out, he's he's ambushed by several several armed men. Right. And he does... He gets into action pretty quick, taking some of these guys out. Who would he assume these men are affiliated with? Like, they're protectors of Simmons that he just hires to, like, stay outside the building and beat up people who come out? I don't think he has time to, to, to question who they are. But, I mean, in the aftermath of the fight, I wonder if he's if he has any suspicion as to who hired these men to attack him. That's true. Um, well, he I guess he would be aware of the East Germans being around. Yeah. But because we get no other interactions from them, and he has not encountered them, it, it seems unlikely that he would probably think that. Yeah, I guess yeah. it's a good question as to who... He would not know. Yeah, he would just be like, oh, I just just happened to get mugged on my way out of VectorCon. By th- by three men in suits. Yeah. <laughs> Very classy muggers. <laughs> um, but luckily he is, uh, he is protected right. um, because Jimmy pops out and uh, clocks the last of the three guys mm-hmm. um, and knocks him out, basically. Um, and then he and Jimmy like run off to safety. Uh, Mac takes him back to the loft 
which is this the first time we're seeing the loft the interior i think so because uh, human factor was entirely in the uh underground laboratory mm-hmm. and the loft wasn't in the first season for sure uh did we see the loft in uh the enemy within or was that still his no because he apartment? he moved out in enemy within that was when he had the house full of cardboard boxes okay so he was that's the only time we see his apartment in enemy within yeah all right I, I remember he was in an apartment and I couldn't remember which one. Yeah, it's definitely, he's moving out because that's the same episode where he's like, you have no taste, Pete, and he shakes right, the right. spider at him. Um, and then he's like, you, you you look at, you're not taking time off. You have to move to this crappy seaside shack or whatever. <laughs> and then it's not a seaside shack. Although he does say that this new apartment is close to the ocean when yeah. he's telling Jimmy where it is. Yeah, when they get out, he says you can smell that, you can smell that sea air or salty air or something yeah, like that. Yeah, which I'm pretty sure that apartment is not anywhere near the ocean. Yeah. Um, in real life, in terms of like where the set was, but uh, yeah, and I think he also is kind of introducing it when he says he's upstairs from a hardware store and he's like, I keep him in business, like because he's always buying tools, uh, which is weird because you would think MacGyver would just make his own tools out of stuff that he has yeah. in the house, or that he would have a set. Yeah. Like, you know, when, once you, like, oh, I forgot, I don't have a wrench. <laughs> You're MacGyver. You don't have a wrench already. <laughs> what were in all those boxes? Well, well that's what happened. That's what happens when you when you make your tools out of like perishable items. Yeah. I'm gonna go get that potato wrench I made. Ugh, it's all gross now. <laughs> I need to go buy a real wrench. No to sell. <laughs> Stop using perishables. <laughs> Where are my homemade post-it notes? <laughs> it's just sliced cheese. <laughs> Sixty-four slices of American cheese. <laughs> In this scene, uh, we get a, kind of a, a lot of exposition and a lot of character development for Jimmy yeah. and MacGyver, really. But as far as we know, this is the first like actual background we're getting from Jimmy, like stuff mm-hmm. that's actually true about his life. He's using his real life to continue the lie, but because he's it's because it's real. He's, right. He's drawing on his own experience to to sell it more, and uh, MacGyver has like also a moment. They they play a, a game of. Uh, uh, table like hockey. Table hockey, yeah, but, yeah. It's, but it's in an enclosure. Like, yeah, you can't interact with it. Yeah, yeah. It's not like foosball where you the. Yeah, it's not like it's it's an air table. It's it's not air hockey. It's yeah. it's like actual. It's like foosball, but yeah, enclosed. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same machine that he played with his with Susan. Yeah, in the in the Flames End. Right. Yeah. And we get this kind of solemn moment from MacGyver when he's like, kind of like, when he, he's won, and he's just like, ah, oh, it's a great game, isn't it? And Jimmy detects like that that he MacGyver wanted to play professionally, but either couldn't or which is obviously taking from his real life because Richard yeah. Dean Anderson had intended to be a professional hockey player and was taken out by a pretty severe injury, mm. um, which also happened. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know how how much closer he was then, but Rob Paulson was um, intended to be like his his idea was that he would be a hockey player, like a professional hockey player, and was also totally demolished by somebody during a game and like the injury took him out of the sport for a while Jeez. Uh, but they it both is... they both made pretty okay livings yeah, with their backup plans okay <laughs> it's funny I, i'm looking you know I, I make notes for the show as we as we go and I'm, i re, I you know i refer to them while we're recording um i had made a note earlier like does macgyver buy this story for the used car a uh, lot Oh like yeah. Like when he's talking to Jimmy, he's like, "Does he buy this story?" And then in this scene, for the note, my note was, "MacGyver's totally buying this story." <laughs> <laughs> uh, and 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 see, he really starts to feel for Jimmy. 
and yeah. really wants this whole thing to work out for him. And Jimmy, uh, in following in the in the uh, the hockey uh, conversation, uh, goes into his like former baseball career. Mm-hmm. He says he played for the '47 Braves for two weeks. Um, he was on the team for three years, but he only played for two weeks. Right, right. Um, and uh, Joe Santos was actually 16 in 1947. So, okay. I mean, I don't think he was playing for the Braves when he was well, 16. Yeah, but again, like his character is supposed to be severely older than yeah, he yeah, actually yeah. is. But uh, even if he was, say, 20 and playing for the Braves, mm-hmm. then that would mean that he was like almost 40 in that picture with his kid from 64 that's true in atlantic city so that means he's like pushing 60 here which i guess that's what they're implying yeah it just seems like 80 60 is really old <laughs> yeah for and this guy is not that old um mm-hmm. max says uh, finesse again while they're playing hockey yeah uh, at the table and it just reminded me of the, the line from earlier when mm-hmm. he says it but basically they're playing for the right to do the dishes right right after, you know, uh, MacGyver invites him to stay the night at that place rather than have him go back to his own hotel. Yeah, at the Armstrong, where yeah. there's the roaches are nice, I guess, he says. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the next day, uh, we find that uh, Jimmy now has a crew. Right. We had not. We find out that the men that that, that they ambushed him outside of Vetricon were was Jimmy's crew. Right. They they were all. It was this was all a big setup to endure Jimmy more to MacGyver. Yeah. And they're just kind of going over uh, the general plan. Jimmy's saying, oh, I'm going to let this MacGyver guy do the legwork. And was it Ralph? Ralphie? Yeah, okay. uh, Ralph is one of the, the henchmen here. Ralph was also uh, one of uh, Catlin's hotel security. <laughs> um, he's credited as Wilson, but yeah. Right. Uh, he, Ralph was kind of like the more, I guess he would be the antagonist, really, of this of this episode. Uh, yeah, him he, and, or Papa Chuck. I mean, either one yeah, of them could conceivably he, be he's really pushing Jimmy's buttons, like saying, Oh, you know, Papa Chuck doesn't want this. Papa Chuck doesn't want that. And, uh, you know, and Jimmy's having to like always to say, just let him know that Jimmy's in charge. Like he's like, when, when Papa Chuck hires you to do a hit, you can do it your way. Right. Yeah. You know, he's basically doing it his way. And another one of the goons, the guy that, uh, Jimmy punched in the face is complaining about having been punched in, in the good eye. <laughs> um, but uh, he was one of the kidnappers of the Lady General in uh, Target MacGyver, oh, <laughs> season one, episode ten. So there's all sorts of, of, uh, of cross sections here. Um, and Ralph, obviously, uh, we should mention uh, that this episode kind of has a sequel. Um, this is season two, episode two, and season three, episode three, we have Back from the Dead, which mm-hmm. is um, we sort of come back to this story. So we'll see Ralph and Jimmy again in that episode. Okay, I don't remember that. Um, yeah, I, I watched it in preparation, but... Oh, sorry. It's I another guess you're good more one. prepared than I Yeah, I, I'm just trying to... I just want the listeners to know who's better at this. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's clearly you. There, there's a weird scene now. Uh, MacGyver tracks down Linda and follows her, and... Right. And then he sneaks into her car, and then somehow ties the cell phone of the car into the computer... Into the car. Into the car. Like, yeah. as if... You know, cars in the 80s, I'm sure they must have had some kind of onboard I feel like this is vaguely system. possible now. Yeah. Like, um, you know, people have the button for they can call, like, the OnStar, mm-hmm. and then they can, like, unlock your car for you, or they can, like, start the engine for you and stuff like that. But 
in the 80s this was not a thing that you could do like there there was no phone line that was this intertwined with the mechanics of your vehicle right that you could hack into it from a payphone across the street exactly it's this would work perfect as a as a a tool for the inevitable macgyver reboot but mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily work here yeah yeah it's i i'm just really bothered by this whole sequence of events Although I do like it when he prank calls the cell phone. Yeah, uh, and he has to do that to get into the car. Like, is that the point? Is that he had to call the number or else he wouldn't have power over the car? Um, I guess it was just to get him to start pushing buttons on the cell phone, which would trigger the car. Is that what happened then? Yeah, it's like him. the act of hanging up the phone caused the car to lock. So then picking it up again unlocked the car? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I yeah, it's it's weird either way. But yeah, he calls yeah, and he one, says he wants a a twelve inch pizza, run it through, through the, the garden, garden. hold oh, the chovies. I just love that expression. <laughs> run it through the garden. <laughs> this happens a lot in movies or TV where a person orders a thing and they sound so confident, and I really want the person to be like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah. Like. <laughs> Uh, and it happens a lot in movies with like drink orders and stuff where you're like if i went into a bar and asked for what you just asked for the exact same way you did they would look at me like i was crazy Mm -hmm. and be like uh what is that or we don't have any of those ingredients what are you talking about but in movies and tv it's just like yeah here's your stuff dino lizard old mammal no worms and And, uh uh, spicy (laughs) (laughs) i know that movie too well (laughs) blummer alert what follows is Simmons and Linda get into the car. That's when Mac calls them up, locks them in the car, and they're freaking out. Even though yeah. they should just be starting the car and driving. Like yeah. I wouldn't even notice that my door had locked. Mm-hmm. I'd just be like, "Oh, don't let's car- go." A lot of cars just lock you in automatically as soon as you start the car. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, they didn't in the '80s, but right, yeah. Uh, but MacGyver walks over casually and go- is like really obnoxious about this whole situation. Yeah, he's back in that like. The tow truck driver from the Prodigal right? character. Oh my gosh, totally the same character. <laughs> it's like, you guys got a problem? And he's like, we can't. Look, we're... I do what I do. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't hear you. The windows rolled up. Like, and it's, it's like, that... you're telling us that through the same window. Yeah. And that's where they end because of commercial. They cut the commercial on this weird. <laughs> on the joke beat. of, yeah, the windows rolled up. And, and then it's like, that, is it over? And then it comes back. <laughs> it's and then it's just like, pick up the phone. Yeah. And then they pick up the phone and the doors unlock. And then he needlessly like gets out of the car. Mm-hmm. Which, like, I, Mac is just lucky that that happened. Because yeah. they could have just driven away as soon as the doors unlocked. Like, oh, thanks. I didn't know that was a feature of this terrible phone. Yeah. And I do. I also do like the, the character of Simmons always having Linda do the driving. Yeah. Like, he, he really... It just makes just... him look like that much more of a slacker. Yeah. Like he doesn't even drive himself. Yeah. Uh, he's having. He's telling her to go get the plane tickets. He, he does nothing for himself except hold on to this briefcase for dear life throughout the rest of this episode. Right. And he, um, as soon as he gets out of the car, like MacGyver basically kind of pulls him out of the car and says, yeah. "Like, all right, we're going to take you down to the, I mean, to the Phoenix Foundation and also to see your father." Yeah. Um, but then he leans back into the car and says, "Like Linda was like." Hey, honey, the car will start now. <laughs> you should get out of here or whatever. Yeah. And then she speeds off and uh, and 
Michael is offended at her right. disloyalty. And, and, yeah, he's like, talk about loyalty. He's like, oh, you should know. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure what MacGyver is referring to there either. It's like, you were so disloyal to those East Germans who thought they were yeah. getting the NAVCOM 24. Don't you feel bad about that? And then when, when, when Michael Simmons kind of tries to make a break for it, MacGyver does like this, ah, ah. And like he just kind of like taps his like taps his chest. his man boobs. <laughs> it's such a weird gesture. Yeah, it's kind of like, like I have a gun way up here. Way up here. <laughs> <laughs> like why didn't like he didn't go for like the classic like finger in the in the pocket pocket thing? Yeah, but yeah. That that's almost more believable than there might be a gun. And just in like here. hold on. Maybe he was uncomfortable with implying that there was a gun, and he's like, no one could misinterpret this as yeah. being a gun up here. <laughs> um, and then uh, and then he says, oh, we're going to go see your father. And he's like, my father's been dead for a few years. And at this point, like, you're starting to think, like, is this a- are they actually related, and this is going to be like a big reveal that his father like had to fake his death, and that, like, but then just Jimmy yeah. just pulls out a gun and starts yeah. firing at them. Yeah, yeah. Mac-, Mac had called Jimmy to let him know where he was going to be. Yeah, and it's like, oh crap! He's it's it's a hit, um, and uh, they ju- they just run right into a I guess some warehouse. Right. Yeah. It's they're kinda... suddenly they're in a basement of a mm-hmm. building, and uh, uh, Ralph Ralph was along with Jimmy for the ride, uh, and they kind of split up once they get into the warehouse. Yeah, Ralph is like Jimmy's Linda mm-hmm. right now, and uh, so equally loyal too. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, MacGyver barricades himself in with Simmons in this room that they can't. There's there's another door, but it's also locked, and so he starts building a, a cannon with like a, I'm assuming it's some kind of a acetylene gas for like welding. There's there's some big tanks in there, and uh, Simmons says something along the lines of like, "What kind of gas is that? It's like only the only the gas the only we gas got. we have." And it's like, okay, so I hope it's not helium. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so MacGyver builds like a little pipe cannon out of a uh, as like it's it's very again very similar to the prodigal where he just kind of like fills this tube up with gas and just hopes in there. that an explosion and a and a projectile is enough yeah. to make a weapon. And it's like uh, there should be more of a barrel to this, yeah. but okay. Um, and so while Ralph is on the on one side of the door trying to break into the room that they're in, they break out. But Jimmy, again, being the master hitman that he is, is already waiting on the other side. Right. And, and then he has this sort of face-off with MacGyver where, I mean, first MacGyver is trying to divulge which of the thing, the facts that it, that he's collected over the last 24 hours are true. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out the picture was a picture of his nephew in yeah. Atlantic City. Um, we'll find out next season that he does have a daughter, um, but that... She doesn't get mentioned at all in this episode, but um, but the stuff about the baseball was apparently true. That he's mm-hmm. tired of doing this job and that he would like to like just leave town and not have to kill people anymore. Yeah, yeah. And but MacGyver won't get out of the way of Michael Simmons, even though Michael Simmons is, I mean, being portrayed as a bad guy and mm-hmm. the target of this hitman. Yeah. Um, it, it's a really kind of a it's a delicate subject because. We know that Jimmy is a hitman. We know that he kills people professionally, and he has killed people, and that's probably one of the reasons that he was in jail. Right. Uh, but it's not the reason. And he's not just yeah. a hitman. He's, like, a prolific, like, world-renowned hitman. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, his nickname is The Eraser, was the name of the episode. It, so it's just, like, 
this is a really bad guy. Yeah. And he probably should be in jail or on death row. Yeah, exactly. And 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 while we can feel like empathy, I guess, for him. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's oh, really- I'm really tired of killing people. I just want to retire to Florida. <laughs> and MacGyver's like, we can make that happen. And it's like, wait, MacGyver, maybe you should just kill this guy. <laughs> like, yeah. this guy's pretty terrible. Yeah, it's, I guess, like... I guess where they're trying to come from is this the thought that he did serve his time. Yeah. And so... But he, he served 10 years for, like, multiple, multiple murders. Multiple murders. Yeah, it's... And, I mean, you can assume that, you know, having been, like, becoming the target of a crime family means that they were murders, definitely. By any legal standard, they were a murder. But they were probably awful people. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, at least true. involved in something that they shouldn't have been. Not that that necessarily warrants murder yeah, yeah. yeah but um but yeah this guy's killed a lot of people he only served 10 years in prison and he's mm-hmm. complaining about having to kill more people and it's it, like you took this job willingly dude i don't know what to tell you yeah i i find it hard to to side with jimmy overall in this episode but i know that we're supposed to feel feel for him yeah like he's supposed to be the emotional core of this episode oh uh. But meanwhile, Ralph is hearing this whole conversation, right? And basically making note of it to try and like take over Jimmy's position in the crime family by relaying it all to Papa Chuck and right. being like, "Hey, you know, he said he doesn't want to kill people anymore, and he didn't kill Michael Simmons like you asked him to." So, and if Ralphie couldn't get this position over the ten years that Jimmy was in jail, yeah, like... seriously, how how didn't you get this in his absence? Yeah, just from having like the next level seniority. Uh, it, it, he's probably not the right man for the job. Um, but Jimmy does finally yield and let MacGyver take Michael Simmons in. Yeah. And Ralphie overhears that and instantly goes and tattles on him. Yeah. Like, it, the next scene is Ralph telling uh, yeah, Papa, Papa Chuck, Chuck, is he golfing here? And then he's he, golfing. And then he tells Ralph basically, like, now, okay, you want an assignment? Go kill the eraser, basically. Mm-hmm. So uh, so then we cut to Pete um, showing up at Max Loft. Yeah. This this is a great... This, this is... <laughs> Any scene with just the two of them is usually yeah, classic. Oh my gosh. D- Dana Elkar is just the best when it comes to this show and the, the scenes with Richard Dean Anderson. Yeah. Because um, it just seems like such natural friendship. Yeah. And they must have actually been friends in real life. Like the, yeah. You oh, can't sure. even fake that. Yeah. Um. But uh, we find out that the East Germans have been captured. Right. We don't even know if they made it to Pier 3. Yeah, All we know we, is that they've been captured without NAVCOM 24 yeah. or their quarter million, three quarters of a million dollars back. Simmons probably just said, stop any Germans trying to leave the country. That reek of cabbage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that really doesn't narrow it down. I don't know if you met a lot of East Germans, but love their cabbage. Uh, uh Mac is logged into the Phoenix Foundation computer. And Pete just rifles through his fridge. Yeah, he's just looking for something to eat. And uh, comes up with this, Gotta like, keep his blood of, sugar up. Which is dangerous. That is dangerous at MacGyver's house. Just, just start yeah. going through his fridge and eating stuff. Yeah. You don't know what he's been doing. The bowl that he pulls out kind of looks like the Nitro Manite from Trumbo's World. Oh, it's like this white, gooey powder. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's like, you don't want to touch, you don't want to touch anything. Yeah, and he just, just starts digging into it. <laughs> and um, MacGyver even has like this panicked look on his face. I think actually before he does that though, MacGyver does say, why don't you grab a yogurt or something like That's that. True. And he goes to the fridge and takes out this bowl of what he, I guess he's assuming is yogurt. Mm-hmm. And he loves it. 
He thinks it's delicious, even though you're supposed to eat it hot, apparently. Yeah, yeah, Max says, you're supposed to eat it hot. And he's like, I like it cold. Well, I didn't think you would go in for whipped bean curd. <laughs> and then, like, Pete's like, oh, gross. I can't believe I ate some of this. And then, then he remembers that he thinks it's delicious, and then he keeps eating it. Yeah, it, it's it's just wide range. You can see, you can see like, the horror, and then the, actually, it's not that bad. Yeah, he goes through the seven stages very quickly. <laughs> no, it's not. Okay. I believe you. Uh, Mac is able to find some information on uh, Jimmy and Papa Chuck and realizes that uh, since Jimmy didn't do the hit, that he's probably going to be a target himself. Right. Like, the failure is not an option. And so he decides that he has to intervene on Jimmy's behalf, even Mm -hmm. though Jimmy is a terrible person who has had this coming for a long time. And he also figures to look for Jimmy at baseball fields. Right. Which... I guess there probably aren't that many in the L.A. area, but it just seems like I'm going to search every baseball field till I find him. Uh, Yeah. It just seemed seemed like an odd choice, Um, especially since apparently the goons had the exact same idea. Which MacGyver knew they would. Like he said, if I know to find him here, they're going to find him here. Um, And Jimmy's just sitting there, like, correcting everything the kids are doing wrong when they're playing Mm -hmm. baseball. And MacGyver comes and sits down next to him and just says, like, you know, these, there's a lot of kids that could use a coach and could use training. That yeah. You got a couple couple weeks' experience playing for a major league team. And and killing people. Also, you know, there's a lot of kids out there that don't know the proper way to kill a man. They <laughs> could use a coach. Kid, kid, you're using that bat all wrong. <laughs> Let me show you how it's done. Now I want to write a movie called The Kill Coach that's just about a, a guy that trains hitmen. Although I guess Man Bites Dog is kind of like <laughs> in places. So Well, MacGyver and, and Jimmy have this heart-to-heart, but that's when the goons show up. Right. And so Their conversation gets cut short a little bit. Yeah. They, uh, they make a run for it as much as Jimmy can, and they end up in a Mylar balloon factory or some kind of... Right. MacGyver does have a habit plant. of bursting into random factories downtown. Yeah. Like he see, like I wonder if he just like on weekends when he's not on assignment he just wanders around and checks doors to see if they're locked. Yeah, well, <laughs> he's like, next time someone's shooting at me here, I'm gonna go over this way because yeah. I know there's a door unlocked. Always gotta know your exits. Yeah. And and instead of continuing to flee, they decide to make a stand at the Mylar balloon factory. Well, they've got all the makings of the perfect getaway. <laughs> yeah. Um, he he takes some of the the mylar and uh, the inside mylar, the the ref, more reflective coating, and makes a makes a makeshift mirror out of it, and then uses another mirror to ref, It's this weird double reflection. Uh, Which they're cheating and just having him stand in front of the window for yeah, the shot. But yeah. basically, they they set up two mirrors to to act as a sort of periscope mm-hmm. to make it look like jimmy is standing right next to the windows right um but the the mirror that's the closest to the windows is not a, like a physical mirror it's it's just a sheet of mylar that's stretched taut right. so that it's displaying a perfect reflection of him the reason that you pointed out when we were watching the episode that they use the mylar for the close to the window one is because the point is that it's like a shooting gallery and they're mm-hmm. going to see him up there and then just shoot through the window and kill him. If that were a mirror, it would explode when they shot it. Exactly. It would be very obvious that that wasn't him, but because it's mylar, the bullet will go right through it without destroying the reflection. Mm-hmm. And so then Jimmy just fakes like, ah, oh, I've been shot. Yeah, and, and collapses. Uh, and so when they go in, uh, the goons come in to, to check to make sure that they he's 
is dead, and MacGyver had whipped up some uh, homemade fake blood with some like wood glue or some kind of glue and red paint. Yeah. And uh, so they 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 dress up Jimmy like with a couple of blood stains on his chest, and uh, Ralph comes in and sees him down, but is gonna you know be professional and yeah. you know put one in the head. That's what yeah, you do. You're you're supposed to finish with one in the head. That's what my co coach says. Yeah. Um, but then, so <laughs> MacGyver uh, always has a comb on him, and so yeah. he took the comb that he's got, and he took a little strip of uh, the mylar, and he makes sort of a police siren but, effect. That that old like comb whistle thing. Yeah, but it's like a police siren from the 1930s. And it also sounds like it's coming from like right behind that <laughs> that coat rack over there. It's very clearly not from a police car downstairs. <laughs> the time traveling police car over behind that table. Yeah. Uh, it it easily fools them. I guess the sand people are easily startled. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so they they run off uh, and report back that that Jimmy is dead. The eraser has been rubbed out. Yeah. <laughs> and then Papa Chuck is like, if I'd have won a comedian, I would have hired one. This is when he's pruning flowers. Is yeah. When he's getting the report that the eraser has been killed, and then seeing the flowers gives him the idea of sending a batch of flowers to. Um, the funeral, which the mm-hmm. Phoenix Foundation like Staged. actually stages yeah. a funeral for him, and MacGyver like invites the press to make sure that it gets as much much coverage as possible, yeah. so that Legendary nobody tries murderer. to. Yeah. <laughs> really, there's there's um no excuse for how this episode ends. They invited all the family members of the the victims. Yeah. <laughs> really, that's what they should have done. Um. But yeah, it doesn't make sense because. He's a he's a serial killer essentially. Like mm-hmm. he's murdered more than three people, and he has a, he has a standard like operation. So this is, I mean, he's he's a murderer who is going unpunished and actually being rewarded. Yeah. By he he ends up getting transferred by the witness protection program, which also doesn't make sense because he's not he's not acting as a witness right. for anything. He doesn't turn anyone over. Mm-hmm. He just he just gets the reward without any of the payment. Right. And he gets sent to Florida, and he's put in charge of like a minor league team mm-hmm. to coach them. Um, and uh, yeah, he tells them that for for a two week stretch, the Atlanta Braves couldn't get anywhere without him, right. or something like that. Because he drove the bus. Because he drove the bus. <laughs> um, um, and then, like when he when he finishes that that line, there's it freeze frames on him, but then yeah. fades back to MacGyver for only a split second to finish off the episode just on MacGyver's face. Yeah, and that's at the funeral still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it's a very strange ending. Uh, Not as strange as some of the editing we'll see next week, but yeah. still a little weird. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's a little unsatisfying only in the sense, like, like Papa Chuck is still operating, and now he's got a new hitman. Yeah, and uh, what did they do with Michael Simmons? They were like... Yeah. Okay, they caught these East Germans who had nothing. They didn't have the Navcom and they didn't have their money. Yeah. In fact, they were, they were they've they've been robbed. Yeah, they've essentially would be due for release immediately. Like, okay, well, we really can't hold you on anything. Yeah. Cuz nothing's missing. <laughs> Attempted unless they unless they stole that sauerkraut. Conspiracy to conspire. Yeah. Um Yeah, it's it's a very strange episode. But and it, what's stranger about it is that they come back to it, right? Like that—that that there's that another people cared about this. enough about Jimmy that 
we come back to the character and still in the next episode it's still a sympathetic light where you're just like oh i feel so bad for this guy he had like this really troubled past and he's just trying to get over it and it's like what about all the people he killed like they they don't even have the opportunity to get over it like whatever they did um but yeah i mean sometimes you just have to ignore what's actually going on and understand it in the context of what we see happen on screen and it would have been better had he been had he not been a hitman, but he's being pressured into doing this hit. Yeah, like this is his first hit or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like like he, he maybe he owes them a favor, right? Or he like in, to get in their good graces, or to keep a like to keep his daughter safe. Yeah, yeah, something like, like that. You know, like it, it, it seems like they could have we could have made him more of a sympathetic character. Yeah. Uh, instead of this character who. Who, who we're supposed to feel bad for when he's at the baseball field talking about how every night when he goes to sleep he has to see the faces of the people that he's killed mm-hmm. in his dreams and it's like good yeah <laughs> i'm glad that you go through that every night and can count all the money that i made killing them oh it's just so rough trying to count all the people i killed to go to sleep like they're sheep <laughs> uh yeah in the, for for episode two of this new season you know it's 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 definitely a change of pace for the series, mm-hmm. especially considering how on point the first episode was. Yeah. As far as like a MacGyver episode, especially when there's not even a villain, I feel like those episodes are are even stronger. Like when you have like, um, the pilot. I mean, essentially, one of the guy that set the bomb was a villain, but really, what they're trying to get away from is the meltdown and yeah, the acid it's a, it's and stuff time, like that. It's a time limit. Yeah, and then here. Like you have very clear human villains, but in the the human factor, the the enemy was a robot or like, right. but or, also time, yeah, because like, they were running out. And Trumbo's world where it's ants and stuff like that. Anytime it's not a human, then you you don't run into the same moral quandaries that you do when you're trying to make everybody yeah. sympathetic. All right, I think that about wraps it up for the Eraser. Um, again, if you'd like to reach out to us with any comments or thoughts on upcoming episodes you can find us on twitter at opening gambit all one word um you can find us on facebook facebook.com slash phoenix foundation podcast and as always you can find us on phoenix foundation podcast.com if you're digging the show you can feel free to review us on itunes tune in next week we're going to be covering season two episode three twice stung which is the heisty episode yeah, that we like, were referring yeah, to like it's 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 kind of like a parallel of uh of the first season so far yeah we have we have the sort of the pilot re- redo underground facility and then we have like sort of a prodigal like family story mm-hmm. um with mafia undertones and then we were moving into our our heist story yeah. although this is more of an old school heist that one was like a James Bondy heist, and this this next one is going to be more of like the Sting. The Sting. Um, I mean, hence the title "Twice Stung," and also Dana Elkar actually appears in uh, Sting. the Sting. Yeah. So um, yeah. So stay tuned for that one. It's it's a fun episode. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening. Thank you.